This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. It's Monday, and I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 20th, episode 2480, brought to you today by Kevin Equine. Good morning, horse people. I have good news and bad news for you on this Monday morning. First, the bad. It's Monday. But the good news is really good. Jamie and Glenn are here to guide you through another week filled with horse talk and a whole lot of fun. Welcome to Horses in the Morning. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Yay. Is Monday becoming more important, Glenn? I think, I mean, yeah, some people are going back to work, and some people in some states are even allowed out of their house. So, Man, that's yeah. crazy. I, I think you have to, if to leave the house, you have to have a mask on here in Oklahoma, but I mean, you know, some people have been going to work the whole time. So it's Monday for everybody now, it seems. And uh, we are going to talk to Scott Knutson, and he's going to join us. He's a cowboy entrepreneur. How cool is that job title? He's going to talk to us about lightning. Yeah. He's going to tell us what it was like to be struck by lightning and how to avoid getting struck by lightning while you're on a horse, which me, I'm like, why would I be on a horse than lightning? <laughs> well, apparently some people like do pack trips and stuff. Uh, also, plus we're going to do a couple training tips and also some of your very sad emotional equestrian first world problems. But first, as if COVID wasn't enough or lightning wasn't enough or other ways you can die, Ireland is set <laughs> to come under attack from a plague of flying ants. That what? is correct. They have actually seen this cloud of flying insects over Ireland on radar. It looked like a rain cloud until they determined how it was moving, and then they found out it was this cloud of flying ants. Apparently, it's not unusual. They get flying ants in Ireland, and uh, they it's, not, it's like an annual occurrence, and it, they call it—they uh, actually have a hashtag. It's called Flying Ant Day. <laughs> yep, Flying Ant Day. But it doesn't last just a day. It lasts several weeks. Uh, and sometimes, depending on the weather conditions, it can last until September. So, yes, the flying ants have descended in a cloud on Ireland. I don't know why they like Ireland so much. I, I don't know why that. It doesn't really explain that. Uh, but apparently uh, who Ireland... doesn't like Ireland? I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I guess. And the Irish, they apparently... Maybe they like ale and, you know, beer. I have a question. You remember that whole, like... I mean, you know, 2020 has thrown all these crazy things at us. But remember Like the murder hornets? Giant, <laughs> yeah, the murder hornets, not really a thing. Yeah. Um, and then there was, like, a big thing of sand coming for Florida in the sky. Did yes. the sand ever affect you? Yeah, well, actually, it caused haze. It did cause haze. I'm not sure it did much else, but it was hazy in parts of the South. Uh, but, so now um, we're yeah. going to celebrate flying, flying ants. ant clouds. Yes. yes, flying ant clouds. Because it's okay. 2020 and why not? 
you know, because it's fun to talk about. Right. Really, probably you shouldn't be that worried about it. No, well, unless, unless you're like in Ireland, and they apparently don't bite, but they are. You know, it's just kind of annoying to have. It's flying like locusts here. <laughs> yes. Like there's like the locust time. You yes. know, every seven years you find all these like weird carcasses stuck to your. Or no, it's like certain uh, in the fall and spring in Florida when we get the love bugs, you know, that come out by oh, the millions. Oh, God, those are so gross. <laughs> and splatter all over your windshield so you can't see anything. Yes, love bugs Flying season. ants it is. Thank God they don't bite. Well, hey, let's uh, so, oh, go speaking ahead. Speaking of ants, real quick, did you remember a couple of weeks ago I talked to you about the cow ants, the ones that if they bite you, you're going to know it for a couple of weeks. They're really big and orange. Yes. Well, Yesterday, I thought of you because as I was walking through the aisle of the barn, I went, because usually you'll see one and you'll see one a day or one a week. There were like five lined up in this aisleway and they're so big. They're like a half an inch long and they're bright orange, so you can't miss them. And they always seem to be busy. They're like ants. They're going someplace. I'm not sure what they're doing, but they're going someplace. But to see five in one spot, I was like, Jennifer, be careful when you pick up the hay and stuff because the ants have invaded. So the cow ants are here. Moved in oh my in God, we're all going to die. <laughs> we're all going to die. And on a happier note. We have a few birthdays. That's right. Happy birthday to auditors Jenna Lay and my mother-in-law, Pat Gilmore-Lee. It's her birthday and also Victoria Valensky. Happy birthday to all of you. And also we want to welcome new auditors Kelly Hammer, Whitney Stevens, Lisa Glasgow, uh, Jamma Boisel, Boisey? I'm going with Boisey. We're going with the French pronunciation. And Hannah Reeves and Mary Bartlett. That's a Remember, whole bunch of new auditors. If he's if he pronounces your name wrong, it's a badge of honor because he I'm pronounces. What say? It just looks like that's how you'd pronounce that one. My name is Glenn Smythe. That's Smith. <laughs> I do have people occasionally uh, call me by the French pronunciation a bear. I had one last week. Guy called me up and says, "Is this Glenn a bear?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> I seriously said that for the first year because I used to work in radio with a guy named Bobby A. Bear and. Yes. Uh, yeah, so there was a I famous really ho- hockey or football player named Bobby Bear too. I can't that, remember that's, which. That's who it was. Was it? Yeah, I was an yeah. Atlanta Falcon. Yeah, did radio. There you go. He's <laughs> <laughs> Cajun. <laughs> yeah, in Louisiana, you say it, Bear. That's how you say that name. Yeah. But yeah. welcome to all our new auditors. We really appreciate you guys. In the last couple of weeks, we've had more auditors than ever signing up. And if you have signed up and you haven't gone to the auditor page on Facebook yet and asked to join, just go to HRN Auditors and request to join, and we'll add you in there. I'm impressed you knew who Bobby Bear was. Yeah. Well, he's the first. He- Famous Hebert, quote unquote, that ever <laughs> existed in this country. So. I'm actually still thinking about why you saw five fire ants in your barn and thought of me. Because we had just talked about it and looked okay. it up. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Not because you're <laughs> like, fiery. They had no other, like... Why? Yeah. Why was he thinking? Anyway, uh, my <laughs> daily winning goes out to Kayla Muller because, Kayla, congratulations. You had your first troll. And um, it's really... Oh, really? 
<laughs> it's really upsetting to get a troll to rip you on Facebook when you're posting things about training horses and it's going to happen. And um, congratulations. You're in the club. Good job, Kayla. <laughs> Gets her first troll. <laughs> Way to go, Kayla! <laughs> well, uh, I, there were a couple things that I wanted to chat with you about, and we're going to talk a little bit later in the show. You have a couple of training tips you want to go over, right? Uh, so we're going to talk. We, we, on the WTF podcast, uh, we had a topic came up, and that's the podcast that's exclusively for auditors and not safe for work. But well, we had do it a, on your, on like, the, the Facebook, right? Yeah, so it's we do not it on, really a podcast. We do a, a Facebook, Facebook Live. Live. We also put it out on the podcast feed for auditors. They have their own okay. special feed. And um, one of the topics came up, and that's how do you handle when a horse's bites or when a horse does something they're not supposed to do with their mouth? And and most people, ninety nine percent of people, I bet, were taught to just bop them in the nose, right? Uh, and, just punch them. Yep. It, and that's how we were taught. Um, and we're going to go over that because I think there's probably a more humane way to do that and a less violent way to do that. And Jamie, being a certified Mighty Roberts instructor, knows about less violent things. And then you have another one you're going to tackle a little bit later on, too. What's that one? Yeah, so we, we asked for some training tip questions uh, for the Retired Racehorse Radio because we love to do training tips over there. And I didn't get to all of them, so I have another one that was submitted by a listener of ours. And um, so I told her, I was like, you're going to have to listen, Chelsea. You're going to have to listen to hit them because we're going to do it on horses in the morning. And it's about a horse that won't move. And I am not kidding you, Glenn. I have a barn full of horses that won't move. I am training what is going to go down in the history of the world as the laziest thoroughbred on the planet, on the planet. I don't think that one has ever been invented. She's 17 hands. Her name is Cameo. She's here. Her owners and her here uh, to get started and she's never had a rider on. So she's had five or six, six rides now. And, um, it's, I mean, it's shocking. It's shocking that a four-year-old racehorse, uh, not racehorse thoroughbred that hasn't ever raced. There's a reason that she never went to the track and she's like, mm, I'll just stand here. That's fine. So I was going <laughs> to talk to everybody and cut it. We had some questions about getting horses to move. And, um, so I'll tell you how we're handling that. And, uh, how and many then, do you uh, have in for training right now from the, oh my gosh, I have four here. So I have one cameo who needs to be started and she's this giant four-year-old mare. I have one that is in here. Uh, his name is red and he is here because he has a teenage rider and he's got the best of her a few times. So, um, it was that, or they said, you know, that it's said cheaper to send them to you than to pay a hospital bill. And I was like, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> probably true. <laughs> um, so he's here. And then we've got uh, a horse named Wilkie. That should be your tagline. I'm cheaper than the hospital. I'm cheaper than the hospital. I think that's perfect. It's short, it's sweet, it says it all. <laughs> and then Wilkie is here, and he's from Horse and Hound, and he's potentially going to be adopted by somebody. And we're going to talk about him in the post-show because I'm having some challenges with the person who is potentially adopting him, and I'm having having some some trouble... I don't know. You know, when you need to trust your gut, you need to trust your gut. And I just want to air it out to everybody. So that is uh, in the auditor post show. We'll talk a little bit about Wilkie. He is a three-year-old that is uh, was off the track less than a month ago. Does, does it seem, are you finding that you're getting, it seems you're getting younger horses than you were a year ago from the rescue. Is that, or is it just 
coincidence, you think? Um, yeah. Or do you think COVID has something to do with that? I'm going to give you the, the honest assumption that I have, which is, it's amazing. So last year from July 1st to July 1st, the rescue adopted out 32 thoroughbreds. This is horse and hound rescue. They adopted out 32 from July 1st of last year to July 1st of this year, 75. I think 75 they've adopted out. So they can take more in, obviously. They're they're able to take more in and, and move them along quicker. Well, I started a lot of the, you know, when we started this whole thing, a lot of the older ones would come to me for training, and those have all been adopted out, Clint. So uh, I'm getting, like, freshies. I, I mean, wonder, it, too, if COVID rescue. with some of the smaller trainers that were just going to have to unload horses because they couldn't afford to keep them and train them and you know, get them out there. As many as they've, ad- we've adopted out. She's received that much. And, and she's yeah. actually had, somebody was like, can I bring five? And she's like, mm. I can't, what? Like people are just stop. You know, it's like, just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And it's pretty shocking, but it, I'm, I'm so happy to know that there's so many people that are opening their doors and adopting them. You know, it's just incredible, but yeah, the uh, over double, for this year, what they've done. I mean, it's it's crazy. Now, so, would you rather get them in as three-year-olds or six-year-olds? Or doesn't it matter? Oh, I don't care. Uh, you know, wherever they are in their world. Um, the six-year-olds, it, it, it just all depends on what kind of training they've had. You know, there's great trainers of great horses. And then there's... Sh- crappy trainers of great horses. And you, I always know that's part of my assessment when they come. And I actually do want to do a clinic assessing the off the track thoroughbred because it's so fun to kind of see, uh, I, I restart them completely from the ground up and you see where the holes are and where they, they have had like somebody whacking them in the head. They don't forget that. And then it's like, we'll talk a little bit more about biting, but those kinds of things, you see the horses that have been hit, the horses that have been whipped, the horses where steps were skipped, you know, and so they're, they're anxious, they're nervous because they don't understand. Um, so like this, this one horse that came from the teenage, teenage rider, uh, it, it was a thoroughbred and it was, uh, he's eight and I swear it's, they've been riding him, but he doesn't actually know what he's doing. And he's, he has a lot of anxiety with his rider. And I'm like, he has anxiety because he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. He keeps trying to figure it out. And, you know, he doesn't know how to turn and stop and stand still and whoa. And, you know, load on a trailer and all those things. Like nobody ever taught him this, but he's such a good character that they're able to just ride him around all over the place. Yeah, he's but forgiving. Some are a lot more forgiving than others. <laughs> he's very forgiving, but I'm, I'm just surprised at how little he actually knows. So he's going to go back to them having a lot more foundation than he did. And I, I think that they're going to see a big difference. Now with, with my full training, I, it's kind of mandatory. I give you two free riding lessons. So you come and you have to ride your and horse. And that probably should twice. be 200 free riding lessons. That you got. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Hey, you, hey, Jamie, you know what's not forgiving? 
Lightning. Lightning, Lightning is not <laughs> forgiving. Today we have on with us Scott Knudsen. He is a fifth-generation Texas cowboy and inspirational speaker. He's also the founder of the Extreme Trail Horse Association. But today he joins us to chat about lightning safety, and we will hear that he has a good reason to be interested in lightning. So let's get Scott on. And uh, chat, we're going to be getting him on Skype here, Jamie. Okay. Hopefully. I mean, if you are a Texas cowboy, you have you have experience with lightning. Hi, Scott. Just like an Oklahoma cowboy. Up, oh, are you there, Scott? I am. How are y'all? Good. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, so, I just mentioned we were talking about lightning today because you have a darn good reason to be concerned about lightning. My my wife's brother was a Green Beret, and and actually over his lifetime has been hit three times. Oh so I think he's uh, he's pushing the odds there a little bit. Uh, well, he must be tough to be a Green Beret and have three hits, that's for sure. <laughs> so tell us about your fateful day. What happened and, uh, you know, what was the day like? Of course. Hey, thanks for having me, too, man. What a great way to start the week. Um, you know, it was almost 15 years ago. It was on my daughter's one-year birthday um, on the 29th of this month, you know, so it always... Remember that day for sure. <laughs> you know, I was I drove down to the house, went to the barn, and and my wife and met me down there, and she was holding my giving me, uh, you know, she had my daughter with me, at, with her, and she gave her to me, and I was holding her in my left arm, and uh, we were just looking at the horses and and just talking and just enjoying being out, and it was raining about fifteen miles away, and uh, but it was clear skies where we were. And we were just talking and all of a sudden, you know, they say out of the blue and that's kind of what happened. You know, we started watching the horses and they started getting a little nervous. And and uh, then all of a sudden it was just instant. Um, you could see the water, the water pipes in the backyard about 300 yards away came out of the ground and and uh, horses running into each other. It was kind of chaotic there for a little bit. Were and, you, uh, you were still holding your daughter? Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, what happened was it the lightning came you know, my wife was on my right side and I was holding my daughter on my left side and it came across her and hit me in my head and went out my left arm, out my left hand. So it wrapped right around her. I was aground, and uh, it, it did hurt my wife's eyes and ears for a long time, but she's well and beautiful as ever. And uh, but it knocked us on the ground and, and uh, it, it was a total reboot of the brain and everything. You know, it took a long time, but. I was going to say, you're laying there going, did you take an inventory? It's one of those situations, like when you fall off, you take an inventory, right? You go, okay, is everything still moving and working? And Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I have some experience with that. So. <laughs> yeah, we all do. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. You know, and we don't remember a lot. You know, we almost, when I, when I came to, um, you know, thank God, you know, for sure, we were at the hospital and my daughter was fine. Um so she wasn't affected at all because you were the ground? Exactly, wrapped around her. I mean, we were so blessed. Oh, my and, gosh. And, yeah, absolutely. And okay, this is absolutely terrifying to hear this. <laughs> I mean, I thought you got struck by light. I didn't know you are bringing your baby into it. Oh, my God, I'm a mother. I, I can't even <laughs> imagine. It's definitely a family affair. You know, we, we called the doc and... And that was before cell phones. They they just started working out here at the ranch not too long ago. So we were trying to use a landline, and we were dialing a number on a old home computer. Uh, you know, and it's kind of like the old days when you unplug your TV and plug it in. You see all the fuzzies, and that's kind of what it was like. 
and uh, we we got in and, and started getting better. But you know, I, it never was a negative. It's still not. I mean, we just turned it into a positive. So we've had we get a lot of. I live in Ocala, Florida. And we get the pop-up storms, which we have never experienced before we moved to Ocala. You know, when we lived in other parts of the country, you see the fronts coming, right? Like in Texas, you can see the fronts coming. Whereas in Ocala, the storm pops up and it'll sit and it'll just sit there. And then another one will pop up and sit there. And what indicates the storm is going to be coming is you get a lightning bolt and a crack about two minutes before any other indication that anything's happening. And that's how we know a storm's coming. And some of those, I mean, it took out the tree in our pasture here, uh, splintered it into a thousand pieces, and that was before the storm hit. So that's what happened with you, is the lightning got there before the storm did. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was in uh, Lake Wales last year giving a talk, and I was driving, I was looking around, it was so beautiful in Florida. Then, like you say, it was just out of the blue, it just it was loud, <laughs> it was loud, it just started raining sideways, so... Um, I understand what you're saying. And yeah, the crack right. of lightning shows up first. That shows up first. Absolutely, yeah. and that's what happened, you know. And, and uh, you know, for the longest, I was, uh, my daughter was one and then two and two and a half. And I was on a reading level, you know. It was it was uh, colors and cartoons for a long time. Wow. So it really and, affected you neurologically more than anything? Uh, it was, yes, sir. Uh-huh, it sure was. It was neurological for sure. Um, it, it was just a, the muscle part of it kind of went away. You know, the interior side of me was messed up for a long time. But, you know, we, we got through it, you know. We built a brand around it and turned that negative into Yeah, what's the, the name of your farm, Scott? It's a Lightning K. Lightning, Lightning K. K. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we brand our horses with it. We um, Our trailers, our trucks, our merchandise, everything. And uh, we do the Cowboy Entrepreneur. You know, that's kind of our deal. But we talk about it. And... As opposed to running away from the accident or the incident, um, we embrace it and we go toward it. And uh, you know, but it's just it's it's a synopsis of life. You know, it's it's uh, you're always going to get hit. It's just the way you return. I, I mean, I walked over that spot two or three times this morning just feeding horses. You know, so yeah. It's, it, Actually, that's really smart because if you cover everything with a lightning emblem, lightning never strikes twice in the same place, so then you're all safe. <laughs> <laughs> Genius. See, that's forward thinking right there. I didn't think of that, but I like that. <laughs> so we have you on today because this has be- kind of become a mission of yours is to help people stay safe from lightning and to learn about it. So let's talk about a couple different scenarios. One, you're at home, right? And you're like you were, you know. So how do we stay safe in different scenarios? One, you're at home. And two, maybe you're packing out. Maybe you're on a long trail ride and the storm comes up quickly. How do we stay safe with our horses? What are the best things to do? You know, for me, you know, it, it's I always look at the weather. I love weather. Um, you know, being a rancher farmer, you know, besides the weather, it's work ethic. That's how you survive. And so I'm always using the weather. The weather apps are great. Um, you know, if I know something's coming in, we, we adjust our, our what we're going to do for the day, for sure. Um, you know, where we're in a place at the ranch where the weather apps might not work or we haven't planned it out or something like a pop-up comes on. You know, we listen to the horse. You know, that's our that's our uh, alert system. You know, you kind of go back in the olden days, you know, uh, they get tense. You can watch your ears twitch and they're saying something's going on. And usually they're right. They'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. Um, you know, National Weather Service, uh, NOAA, they have some great resources on their websites. They're just really helpful to learn what you're doing. So if you do take that trip or riding a horse or, or just traveling, hiking, you can go to there and they can kind of give you some great ideas and, and uh, to help kind of avoid that situation. 
Because, you know, they always say, uh, I'm kind of a weather nerd too. So they always say, you know, if you're out hiking or you're out with your horse and you're in the hills and the storm comes up, find the lowest point, the ditch or something like that. And, you know, there's always this argument. We always have this argument with horse people. Do you leave your horses out? Do you bring them in? Right. I mean, that that's an argument we have for lightning and for hurricanes and for every tornado, everything else. Right. Um, but with people too, what, you know, do you, what do you do with your horse? Okay. You can get off your horse and lie in the ditch, but your horse is standing up there. You know, what, what do you do? Right. You know, you know, as I study it, you know, they say you get away from the tall trees and that's probably what's going to be the, um, the, the hit, you know, because it's a taller ground, kind of like I was, you know, uh, you get away from that. And if you have a barn, you definitely go into shelter. And they say after a lightning strike, you wait 30 minutes before you even go back out. Um, because there could be some, some other ones around the area. So, um, we're really cautious on that. Not like I say on the weather, the National Weather Service has some great ideas. And, and uh, if it's in a ditch, you know where to go. And they say you crouch and you wait on it to pass. And that's not so much the case now. They say you, you look for shelter, put your horse in a barn, some turn them loose. You know, it was a, a neat little tidbit they were talking about. If you're riding in a group, you have your horses spread out, not all together. And uh, because one strike will just do damage on everybody, if it's scattered out, there's less of a chance. So that was a really helpful ten on their or tip on their website. Do you remember? I don't know if you were on Jamie years ago. We had the endurance riders on who were riding in the worlds in Thailand or someplace, and they were out in the middle of the woods, and lightning hit about five feet from them. Um, and they were out together alone in the woods, and the storm came up, and you know, lightning hit right there, and you know, talk about freak your horses out. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness. So you talk about horses being sensible and kind of knowing it's coming. I would like to, to, I'm in Oklahoma and kind of like you, we get these crazy storms, you know, being like, I don't know, tornado alley. Um, my horses are mentally challenged because I, <laughs> when I look out and, and there's a pop-up storm and I don't have time to bring them all in, they all huddle underneath the biggest tree in my pasture why do they do that? And what can I do? Is that a terrible idea? I would think it'd be a terrible idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. At that point, you can't really go catch them because then it's not safe for you to do that. Um, you know, I've talked to Randy. But all these horse girls do it, including my wife. I would do it too. But yeah, sometimes <laughs> you just can't. Like when it's that bad, I mean, there's no way you, uh, you know, I, I actually said the other day, I was like, I'm going to watch all my horses die at the same time. Boom, you know, under the tree because it was such bad lightning. So what, what do you do? Why do they do that? It's so tough, Jamie. You know, I, I get in trouble by my wife and daughter. It comes up a storm and I had left a couple of horses out in the pasture and I try and put them up. And they're like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. and, and it's just instinct. But, event, you know, they, you got to let them rely on their own instinct as well and uh, protect yourself. Well, yeah, because usually, stupid. I, you know, I read once, and I don't know if this is true or not, that horses, when they don't usually get hit directly, but if, a, if they're under the tree, the tree gets splintered into a thousand pieces. That's where they get hurt. Absolutely. It's from the from the pieces, you know. That's Absolutely. that's where they get into trouble. Uh, is from that. So so get them in, get out of uh, the lightning, have have a place for them to go. Um, if they, it, it, now I have a qu couple questions. Number one, are horses with shoes on more uh, susceptible to lightning? Because does it come through the ground? And then I'll let you answer that. And then I have one other really weird question that I heard. 
Okay. Oh, that's a tough one. You know, I've heard that all my life. You know, if they have if they have shoes, they are more susceptible. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. It makes sense to me. Um, once again, it goes back to having them in the barn or wherever it's a safe environment. So they, they're less likely to. Well, um, then again, if it hits like five feet away into the ground, uh, whether they have shoes on or not, that's a lot of charge. I don't care what it's, a lot of charge. it's a lot of charge. And, okay. <laughs> next next question and this I'm I'm not from Oklahoma I just moved here recently and I, I I'm some of the things that I hear I question um but my when we first moved here we were having to live with my mother-in-law and a storm was coming and I was like all right y'all I'm going to go take a shower and she was like no don't get in the shower during a lightning storm. And I was like, why not? I'm inside the house. Is that ridiculous? Or did she save my life? She probably saved your life. No, <laughs> I, well, I can, I can speak to this one. We had, you know, you know, I've heard that all, all my life as well. You know, being in Texas, they, they always say that's where all the, the pipes are. And that's, yep. If it's going to hit the house, that's probably the place it is going to hit. We had a and, friend, uh, we had a friend that it hit, the ground outside went through the pipes, blew up all the toilets, um, shattered them, you know, to pieces, came through the plumbing and did the whole thing. Now, we got hit by lightning. I've been in houses that are going to hit a couple times. The big house we had, Jennifer and I were in the basement because it was that bad. We thought we were getting tornadoes in Pennsylvania. She was standing underneath a phone mounted on the wall in the basement, right? One of those old landlines. And lightning hit the house and blew out a bunch of the electronic stuff in the house just and blew the phone right above her head, scared the crap out of her because it popped. Uh, and the washer dryer was dead. You know, it just... So, yeah, I would say being in the shower is probably not the best place because it can come through the pipes. Yeah. Absolutely, it can. You know, my... my uh, Sitting on the toilet, not good either, by the way, people. <laughs> Just say Stay away from it. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. All right. I'll have to give her, like, I don't know, a mother-in-law gift or something. <laughs> Thanks absolutely. for saving me. I do have I'm a couple still- stats here. Lightning kills an average of 49 people a year in the United States. That's, uh, But... <laughs> Only a small percentage die, and a lot of people like you, one of the big things is neurological problems for, mm-hmm. for a lifetime, or they're right. disabled in some way, or you know, muscle problems, or things like that. So um, like COVID, not everybody dies, but people can have long-lasting problems from it. You have an odds of being struck in your lifetime are 1 in 15,000. So, uh, and the best state, or the, the states that have the most lightning per square mile... Uh, you're not number one, though, uh, I'm afraid to say, Jamie. You're not yeah. number one. Uh, Kansas is number one. Florida, my great state, is number two. Uh, Oklahoma's number three, so we got you beat out there. You know, not only are we winning in COVID, we're winning in lightning strikes. You uh, should be really proud. I'm proud. <laughs> I, Texas is number eight on the list because of this. Yeah. This is per square mile. You guys are big. So you have a lot of lightning, but there's a lot of miles, too. So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Well, that's you know, we're really blessed, man. You know, it, it was some neurological. You know, we had to learn to do a lot of things again. You know, uh, even ride a horse. You know, the the memory part of it was um, definitely a problem. We had, like I say, we had to learn to read and write again. Was that and, really? Were you frustrated, or didn't you know not, that you didn't know? You know, Glenn, I really wasn't. I just looked at it as an opportunity, and and uh, you know, I had fun drawing with my daughter. You know, I mean, we just broke it down. I still haven't caught up to her reading level yet. 
<laughs> you know, we just joke about it. You know, we there was a uh, lightning support group. I, I didn't even know those existed. Well, I had no reason to know they existed. Uh, but after the fact, we went for a little bit, and it just wasn't for me. My my support group was being at the barn or being around family, and and uh, that desire to want to ride again or drive my truck, pull my horse trailer. That just kind of what motivated me to get back. And uh, you know, I had great support with my family, my friends, my church. Um, my horses were like, <laughs> you know, I wanted to do that. I wanted to get to normal again, best I could. And uh, and then just start talking about it, let people know that you can overcome anything, really. All right. So when your horse is out in the middle of the field and lightning striking all around, uh, your horse can, will figure it out. Probably not a good idea to run out there. So that's Absolutely. my that's my tip of the day, which I tell my wife on a regular basis, by the way. So I don't have much pull, apparently. Uh, well, I want to talk to you, too. Uh, you have started something new. It's uh, on YouTube called The Cowboy Entrepreneur. Uh, you've started a YouTube channel, and I, you have uh, a bunch of videos up there. So did this start during COVID, or was this something you've been thinking about or doing for a while? We've been thinking about it for a little while. Thanks for mentioning it. And, and, I, and I love it. You know, we started talking around the country and we do our shows and and uh, we just talk about the lightning and how to overcome that, but other um, opportunities that uh, we try and persevere from over. And uh, whether it's work related or, or injuries, riding horses or just training on horses, you know, they're still in our blood. And we talk about that all the time. Injuries in the horse industry is, is part of it. And we've We've had our share, but we just talk about overcoming it. And it's it's so fun on Facebook or YouTube or any of our social media. You, you see Hall of Famers to high school students wanting to be that. And you have so much energy. And it's positive energy. And that's what that just makes me, it drives us to do more, for sure. Well, you know, I'm glad to hear that. Because one of the reasons we started the show 10 years ago is, is we didn't think that the horse... Horse people are so much fun, yet there wasn't a lot of fun content. It was all very serious training and everything. And we were like, we're fun people. We like to have fun. And, you know, and also be positive. We, we tend not to cover negative stories here a whole lot because there's enough outlets for that. So... You know, we need more people like you going out there going, hey, look, I got struck by lightning. It affected years of my life, but here I am. You can overcome anything. Absolutely. Hey, thank you for saying that. You know, and that's the truth. You know, and shows like y'all's and just getting new people to come into the industry is so important and, and keep people engaged in our industry. There's so many great people. You know, we have everybody from high school, uh, young ladies that come out to want to rope. You would never think that to uh, talking to, like I say, Hall of Famers, people, professionals, um, it's just such a great industry. It's such a great community. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of inspirational. It's kind of motivational. It's kind of educational. But we just want to laugh and, and enjoy what we're doing. Or, heck, if we don't, we ought to do something else. You know? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's so many great people. That's what, and great horses. That's what makes our industry so wonderful. You know what I think's happened in the last 10 years since we started this show? And, and by the way, the Horse Radio Network, our motto is uniting the horse world one show at a time. And I think one of the things we've seen over the last 10 years, and we're not taking credit for this, I've just seen it happen. You're part of the reason for it. You started the Extreme Trail Horse Association. But I think that more English riders are trying, just trying Western stuff, and more Western riders are trying English stuff. We're seeing more crossover. Am I making that up, or is that true? We're seeing it with yeah, our I listeners. Think you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I definitely do. 
And and I think that's great. You know, I, I have English saddles and Western saddles in my barn, um, rope into cutting. You know, I just love it all. And uh, I think you specialize in one, but you can sure as heck enjoy the others. You know, it, it's good for a horse that's a barrel racing horse to go out and uh, ride fence line to do something different. It's kind of like a little vacation. And it's uh, good for the riders as well. I really believe that. And, uh, you know, coming together as, as, as the industry, uh, you know, we did the Mustang Heritage. I was able to ride Heritage for three days in Fort Worth. And, and that industry is so great. And I'm like, God, I'm ashamed. I didn't know how wonderful that group was. And I think the crossover part, like you're talking about, Glenn, is so important in the industry to keep us strong. Oh, we have to. I mean, I think, I think 10, 12 years ago, we were going kind of in the wrong direction. And I think we're still got a little bit of that, but I think social media has helped. I think that's one place maybe it's helped a bit. It's also toxic in many ways, right? Uh, Absolutely. But you have that in anything. Uh, I do think it's helped a bit. And I think having podcasts and other forms of educating yourself and being entertained really has helped as well. You know, I think, you know, YouTube, you know, all of that. Absolutely. I agree hundred percent. I don't look at social media as a negative at all. Um, you know, we were, you know, back in the day to sell a horse, you'd take a picture and mail it. I mean, my goodness, could you imagine doing that now? Yeah, no. <laughs> you say, Glenn, you pick and choose what you look at, just like in life. Yeah. And uh, you, you pick the positive, you pick the things that are going to be educational and help you out. And I uh, like your show. I mean, who, who doesn't want to turn it on and just laugh a little bit in the morning, learn something and, and, and go on down the road. So uh, that, that's what we need to do in our industry, for sure. Where can people find you, Scott? Cowboyentrepreneur.com. It's on our, our website. We have Facebook, Instagram. Uh, YouTube, uh, even Twitter, you know, uh, it's so much fun just doing that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, we speak around the country. We go to universities and businesses. We're going to be up in Montana, September, hopefully, uh, for the Equus International Film Festival. Uh, we'll be hosting that. So, uh, just out and about, man, I just love meeting new people and, and sharing stories. Very good. Well, we're glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank y'all so much. It's a wonderful way to start the week. I really appreciate everything y'all did. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Well, cool. I mean, my gosh, what an amazing thing to have have survived what he survived and have such an amazing outlook on it, dude. And to have the little girl involved. Oh my baby. Yeah. I didn't know about the family part either. (laughs) And the fact that the baby wasn't affected tells you, tells you how weird electricity is. Yeah. Or it's just like one of those, like, or God was looking after that baby. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, let's hear about uh, Kevin Equine. Why don't you tell us about that? All right. Well, millions of Americans do the same thing every January, and that is sign up for gym memberships and resolve to get fit. But by this time of year, many of them have already thrown in the towel. Luckily, it's much easier to pump up the performance of your horse. You see, in every cell in your horse relies on glucose to fuel its function and growth. Feeding your horse chromium helps optimize the use of glucose, so your horse has more energy for body upkeep health and performance, ultimately resulting in improved overall well-being. But this part is important. Don't just feed any chromium. Give your horse the only FDA-reviewed source of chromium on the market today, Chemtrace Chromium from Chemin. Ask for it by name, otherwise you might not get what you pay for. Learn about Chemtrace Chromium at www.chemin.com slash chromium eq. 
All right, let's talk a little training here, Jamie. So what happened was we did the WTF podcast, which is a podcast we do for auditors. And uh, we do it once a month, and it's Helena and one of our listeners, Nikki, who's a trained therapist. And we handle people's problems that don't involve training horses. We handle their life problems and their work problems, and we take on those kind of things. And it's a not-safe-for-work-and-not-safe-for-children kind of show. It's the only one we do. But the topic came up of uh, of how we're all taught when a horse is bitey or when a horse does something wrong with their mouth that involves your safety, the natural indication or inclination is to bop them in the nose. Uh, and a lot of us are taught that way. And I would say I would say 90% have been taught that way over the years. And then the topic, and we we were talking about how that's probably not a good idea, but then several listeners reached out to me and said, but that's the way I was taught. What's the alternative? We truly don't know what the alternative is. Okay. So uh, what happens if you've got two kids in the backseat and one hits the other one? My mother used to turn around and smack one of us. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> that's what well, if, if you and your brother are in the back seat, and your brother hits you, what are you going to do? Uh, hit him back. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's he going to do? Oh, uh, he's going to hit me back, and then mom hits us both. <laughs> so that's pretty much <laughs> it's, how it it's went. Like a, if you, if if your brother hits you, you're going to hit him harder. And you know what he's going to do? He's he's going to try to get faster and hit you even harder. Yep. And then it's going to just escalate into this. I had almost three brothers. Game. That was a daily occurrence. <laughs> you get quicker yeah. and you get faster and you get harder. And that also and happened at dinner time, getting seconds too. That was, you learn to be quicker and faster. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, first of all, let's back up and think about why is your horse biting? And there's just mainly one reason why your horse bites. Glenn, did your pony bite you? Uh, he, not anymore. Um, because I stopped giving him treats so much with Uh, my hand. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) I used to give him treats. I'm a horse husband. All we know how to do is give treats. So the, I just, when, when the lady came to pick up Drax, okay, her husband was like, I'm the treat guy. Yeah. And I was like, let me stop you right now. Let me just point out at this moment, none of the horses in my barn bite, not one of them would even consider biting you. And that's because they don't get treats. So when you take this horse out of my barn and you take him home and he starts biting, that is why he's biting you. It's because, and now every horse that gets treats is not a monster and turn into one, but there's a pretty good healthy percentage of them that will. I would, I would rather, uh, I would rather do about anything and give Zeus a treat because if I give him one treat, I had to medicate his eyeball and I was like trying to distract him with like, I had to just put the medicine in his eye and for, uh, so I would take the medicine in my right hand and put a treat in the left hand, tried to distract him so I could put it in his eye. And, um, yeah, it took about six months for him to stop trying to get food from my hands. I'm like, it does take a while because they have to unlearn the habit, right? Exactly. So the reason the horses bite usually is because they are trying to get a treat. Uh, but so let's, let's just put that in your back pocket. That's why your horse is biting. But you want to know uh, how to keep a horse from biting. Aside from stop giving it treats, uh, there's a thing called distractibility. And using, a, like, when you go to put the first touch on a Mustang, you said if they're distractibility? 
distractibility. Okay, I thought you said destructibility. I was like, what? No, no, no. (laughs) Distractibility. You want to get him distracted. And Monty has a, a funny thing that he'll do, which is if you're standing next to the horse and they reach around to bite you, he'll take his boot and tap him in the shin on the, the front of their cannon bone, not kick them, just tap them. And then, you know, don't get bit, stay out of the way. But every time it reaches around to bite you, tap it in the shin or st- they say step on the court, tap the coronary band or something with your boot. I find I'm not quick enough to really get that. But he says, basically, if you do that after about eight times, when the horse goes to bite you, it will look at its shin. And uh. I, again, it's just using a distraction and then like, it's not a pleasant distraction. It's kind of an unpleasant, like, wow, how come every time I go to bite my shin hurts, they get really, really, yeah, that's kind so of eventually they learn. try and figure out why that's happening. And yeah, they're, they're associative learners. Yeah. So they start to learn by association. Every time I bite my shin hurts, you know, or something. And, and again, it's not a big kick him in the shin. It's just tap them and it becomes a weird thing. Uh, the other thing is, um, Stay out of their way. Like so much of us is like getting in their face. Oh, baby, you know, um, no, don't, don't do that. I think another thing I've read, somebody said something about their horse bites their farrier in the butt. Well, don't let your horse's head get over by his butt. I mean, it should be sensible again. I would just get out of their way or get whatever it is out of their way. If you know, they're going to bite and then you're going to bite the farrier's butt. I'm not going to let my horse turn around and put his head over there. And eventually it's going to learn. I don't get to put my head over there and bite the farrier in the butt. It's just kind of one of those things. So, uh, first thing first is do not give your horse treats. They will, but uh, you can give them treats. That's fine. I give all my horses treats. I take the cookie and I put it on the ground or I put it in their bucket. And the horse knows you love them because they're your horse and you give them treats. But again, horses don't hunt for food. They, they, food grows out of the ground. They don't hunt for it. So it's not like this super reward giving them a treat. But it does make me feel good to give them a treat. So you know what? Every time after I ride them, I pluck one in the bucket and it doesn't come from my hand. So there's that. Um, but again, distractibility using, um, a foot on their, on their cannonbone. If you're quick enough to do that, that the thing is just kind of get out of their way and teach them that it's just redirect them. If you hit them, they will learn how to be quicker next time. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, they go to bite you and you whack them in the nose. They're going to bite you a lot faster next time. Like, oh, I'm going to get, watch this. I'm going to get them. And the, and you see horses all the time lunge and then pull back, lunge and pull back. It's because they know they're going to get hit. So whatever that is, is not working. So does that help you? Distractibility. Stop giving your horse treats. Stay out of their face. Do not, you know, get in their business like that. Yeah. Yet. No, not yet. Um, it's going to take, if it becomes, look, I, I, you become, it becomes a habit, right? So that you're also have the habit that if a horse comes after you, your natural inclination is wanting to bop him in the nose. So it took me a long time to get out of that habit. I, I had to consciously the, think about their it. Halter, like, hey, stop. you're a human. You should be able to retrain yourself not to instantaneously punch something if something happens. You don't do that in real life. Somebody doesn't poke you in the in the shoulder. I had three go, brothers. Hey, I was trained to do that punch. in real life. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, but anyway, you don't do that in real life. You don't just, somebody uh, violates you and you don't just deck them. So retrain your brain. Do not punch your horse. They will just learn to bite quicker and harder next time. 
There you go. All right. So you had a second one that yes. you wanted to chat about as well. Let's do that right after I talk about Cavallo. You know, we don't, Scooter does not wear shoes. He's never worn shoes in the eight years we've had him. Uh, but yet, I like to drive him on the road. We drive him on gravel roads sometimes, and his little tiny scooter feet uh, can't handle it. He hates it. Uh, he doesn't like stepping on the stones. Our driveway is stones, and he doesn't like stepping on those. So we played around with a couple different kinds of boots, and I, as a horse husband and a guy who's in this because I married it, and I like horses, and I like playing with my pony, but yet I'm a horse husband, all right? So I didn't like the ones with wires. There's certain kinds of the boots you put on your horse that have the wires. Me and the wires did not get along. That did not work well. I hated the boots. I hated putting them on, so then I had Jennifer put them on, and then after a while of that, she said, we're getting a different kind of boots that don't have wires, so we tried Cavallo. And Cavallo uses uh, the Velcro across the front. That's how they attach. And I don't know where they get their Velcro from, but I've been using their boots for five years, and the Velcro's not worn out yet. So these boots worked well for me. They work well for the pony. They fit the pony so they didn't twist around like some boots do. Uh, so you'll be halfway through your drive, and I've got to get. I got to have somebody hold the horse, get out of the cart, move the boots back to where they're supposed to be. I don't have that problem with, and I use the Trek boots. They have a bunch of different ones, sports, and they have uh, like eight different varieties of uh, uh, boots for your horse's feet. So you And down to mini boots, by the way. They're one of the very few that has little tiny mini boots. They sent us a, a pair of those, and they're so cute. You want to hang them from your rearview mirror. Um, <laughs> like so, baby, yeah, they're baby so shoes. cute. Uh, but yeah, the Trek boots work great for me. I've used them for eight years now on the pony. I've replaced one set in all that time. Now, I don't drive every... We probably drive them once a week. So they do last a long time on the road. I don't have to worry about them twisting. I don't have to worry about them falling apart. And most importantly, Jennifer doesn't have to hear me bitch about putting them on. So that's the most important thing. And the wires don't break. You know, it just works. Check out the... Buff boots. Saving marriages. Saving marriages. That's right. And they're not that expensive. So definitely go check them out. Um, They're less expensive than some of the alternatives, but they last a long time. And the tread is great. I've taken them out in mud and all different kinds of places here in Florida. So... That's how, where you can find them at uh, cavallo-inc.com or just search for Cavallo Hoof Boots. They'll pop up. They're for sale almost everywhere. All right, let's hear your second training question. Okay, well, Chelsea had a question, and it was, when a horse doesn't want to work or move forward, how do you gently encourage them, or is it a personality thing? Let me take the personality part out of it. Um, you know what? I don't ask much of my horses. If... I'm being generous. I'm asking for an hour a day. That means they have 23 hours a day to do their personality thing. You you're, you're here to work. Like you have to have a job and you're, I don't care if your personality or not wants to work. I'm again, until you start chewing yourself and feeding yourself and clean up after yourself, you can do whatever you want. Uh, so as far as Getting a horse to move forward. Again, I have a really large collection of lazy horses right now. That horse, that three-year-old off the track, super lazy. So um, what I start with is... You know, my legs get tired from squeezing and squeezing and squeezing. So, uh, and and using a whip to me, if you whack a four-year-old that's never had a rider on to get it to go forward, you gonna get bucked off. Okay. Plus, not to mention the fact that whipping horses are into pressure and they usually go into the the whip as opposed to away from it. And the, and it's a lure. It's a trained 
it's a learned response. It's just a natural response. They go into it. So if you're hitting a horse behind the, the, the leg, your leg, they're going to go backwards into that or upwards and buck. So I don't feel like using a whip, uh, as beneficial ever, but especially on a young horse that doesn't know how to move forward. That's the thing. It's not that they don't want to work or move forward for the most part. It's that they don't know what your leg means, especially like you, these racehorses come off the track. They've never had a leg down their sides. They've had legs on up, up high, uh, you know, the racehorses. I mean, they might've been started by some cowboy back in the day, but nobody ever really taught them what the leg means. So you have to teach your horse to understand what leg pressure actually means. And you just break it down as simple as possible. I even like to break it down to before I even get on, I have the horse in the round pen and I have this 30 foot soft cotton line and the horse is moving in the round pen, maybe standing still. And I cluck. And then if they don't move forward, I chuck the line at them. It doesn't hurt, but it, it creates a big like, woo, why was that? Movement. And move forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it creates yeah. movement. And then they move. And then you, oh, yes, yes, yes. Reel in your line. That was so good. You're so good. And then if they don't move, chuck the line at them. Eventually, it takes about five or six times. When you cluck, they're going to move forward, okay? So do that repetitively from the ground. Do that a lot. And if you don't have a round pin, then get them up on a wall and cluck and then encourage them with movement from the line. Um, so that way, when I get on the horse, I don't have to squeeze and kick and squeeze and kick it. That, that, that. They don't know what that is, but now you've taught them that that cluck means move forward. So when you're then sitting on them, you cluck, you add your leg and cluck at the same time. And then they're like, Oh, I know that. And then they go forward. You take your leg off. Oh, horses are associative learners, right? So you put your leg on clock and then they go forward and the leg comes off. You don't need them to go five miles, just two steps, just two steps until they understand what the leg means. And they, again, horses don't understand this stuff. They don't know to move away from pressure. They feel pressure. They go into it. And so it's like you pushing on your horse in the cross ties to get them to move over. How many of them just lean back against you It's because that's, that's how they are. That's how they've survived for millions of years. If the dogs that grabbed them in the flanks, if they go away from that dog, they get eviscerated and their guts fell out and they get eaten. But if they go into that pressure, they kick the dog and the dog gets rolled over and they get away. So you're retraining their brain to not go into pressure, to go away from pressure. So I put my clock, my leg, they go forward. I take my leg off and that is just conditioning. You're just training them that that's what that means. And again, if you have a horse that's lazy and doesn't want to go forward, then don't ask for, you know, like I tell people when you're asking for your first canter transition, you're asking for some canter, especially a lazy horse that doesn't want to canter. You get that canter. You don't keep it going for 15, 20 meter circles. No, you get a couple steps and then you let them stop. You put value into the behavior. When you canter, it's not that big a deal. And I get lots of praise and then I get to stop. And then you slowly build it up to where they're like two strides. Wait, that was four. Oh, well, whatever. Now I'm stopped and I'm getting pet. So you put those steps on them. Now there is the occasional horse. And I happen to have two of them right now that they move perfectly on that cluck and they go forward. 
uh, and then you get on them and you clock and you add your leg and they just don't care. They're just like, nope, I'm not. And I've gotten off and I'm clocking. I throw the line. I send them forward and they're great. Now it's like on the ground. I can clock. They move on forward. No problem. Well, now they get on this big laziest thoroughbred in history that I mentioned earlier. She's like, I don't care. You can squeeze all you want. You know what? I bet I can win this battle. I'll just stand here and you can cluck and squeeze and cluck and squeeze. And they just, she just won't move. So enter the giddy up rope. Okay. This is a fantastic piece of equipment. I did not invent it. Of course, Monty Roberts did. It is a cotton rope. It's white. It's big. It's fluffy. It has like a big soft thing. And you can whack the heck out of yourself with this cotton rope and you cannot get it to hurt. Like I'll whip myself around in the butt whack to try to see if it hurts. It does not hurt. It almost doesn't matter how hard you hit yourself because it does not hurt. It makes a heck of a good thud and it makes a really good motion, some movement to create like Glenn said earlier, it creates movement. So I'm on the horse. I, I add my leg and nothing. If I've done the cluck and the squeeze, here comes number three. Boom. And I will whack that over my, like from my right hand, I'll raise it up over my head and then whack them on the left hip. Okay. And what that does is it in their eyes and their field of vision, they see something up above, they go forward. Oh my God. You did it. Yay. Okay. You're such a good pony. Pet, 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 rub, 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 scratch, scratch, scratch. And it takes about three times of using the giddy up rope. And now this mare is, I candored her yesterday for the first time. I only got two strides, but damn it, that was enough. I was, I was drenched in sweat <laughs> because of this ginormous heifer that won't move. So at any rate, that is the giddy up rope. It's $20. You can get it on Amazon or MontyRoberts.com. Oh my God. It is the most important piece of equipment. I think I use for a lot of these horses because they just, they don't know what legs mean and it just helps show them what a leg means. Yeah. I don't wear spurs. I don't care. Carry whips. I have a soft cotton rope and yeah, I'm sure people ride around going, what is that English rider in a dressage saddle freaking jumps in her arena and she's got some rope. Uh, what is that? I don't care. What, what you say doesn't bother me. I know that it's working for my horses and it's a fantastic piece of equipment. It doesn't cause any pain and it gets the job done. Now you think I'm going to whack this horse as hard as I can. It's going to make this big thud. They're going to explode. Dude, I've used this thing on like 40 horses and I've never got a horse to overreact to it ever. Like you think I'm going to hit them with this and they're going to just, bah! no, they actually just are like, what? what was that? And they take a step forward because it doesn't hurt. And they have to think about it and all the, th I don't know why it's black magic. Okay. Let me just tell you, it's just black magic. It just works. I don't know why it just does. It doesn't hurt. They don't freak out. It's a great piece of equipment. So train them from the ground. Okay. Move. You get the cluck. Let them start to understand that noise matters. Teach them by association. The noise comes and then the line comes. Then you get on them. The noise comes and the leg comes. Well, if that's not working, the noise comes, the leg comes, and then the giddy up rope comes, and then you can minus the giddy up rope, and then you can eventually minus the noise. And then you've got a horse that understands that leg go means going forward. So there we go. You're welcome. Very good. Thank you for that. <laughs> Appreciate it. Now take a breath. Go. Any questions, you guys, please <laughs> just feel free to email me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com, or you can also send me um, a message. I have a training page, Flyover Farm, on Facebook, Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings. 
certified Monty Roberts instructor. You can find out there. And see lots of video too. Before we get to to a question, first world problems and address the problems of the auditors today. Oh, you so were having sad. a uh, clinic too, or is that full? Or where, can somebody still get into that? I have two two spots left. One of our sweet auditors is actually coming from Wyoming, and then I have a gentleman coming from. Uh, Ohio from Cleveland. And so, yes, they can come to this clinic and I'm going to find the dates while I'm sitting here talking to you. Um, it's, it's, it's an intense clinic. It's 10 straight days. Okay. Yeah. I understand. I took out the weekend so we could get done two days sooner. So 10 straight days of a clinic and it's kind of the intro course. If you are interested in becoming a certified Monty Roberts instructor, it's October 9th through the 18th. There's classroom work. There is practical stuff, join up, long lining, trailer loading, kind of all of the things that, give you a good foundation to then go take the advanced course. Or if you just want, like I started this whole thing because I just wanted to be better and I'm better. I'm so much better. I, I, everything I do takes less than a third of the time, you know? So I, it's a, it's a fantastic, um, uh, course to take. And again, it's the Monty Roberts introductory course, October 9th to the 18th. You can find out more at my Facebook page, Flyover Farm. And knowledge is cheaper than the ER visit. Hospital so, bill, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Now, remember, if you have an equestrian problem, it is a first world problem. But these are submitted by our auditors. These are people. Glenn, if somebody wants to become an auditor, what do they do? Just head on over to horseradionetwork.com. Scroll down the right side of the page. You'll see an auditor banner. And you can just click on that. And for as little as $3 a month, you too can become a super secret member of the auditor community. And remember, these are actual problems that people have. I don't, I can't make these up and um, I'm God bless them for sharing it. All right. So let's start with Claire. And it's amazing. We don't get duplicates a lot. <laughs> We've been doing this for a long time. There's so I mean, many problems in the horse so world. So many problems in the horse world. There's just, it's just a thing. And Claire says, my saddle fitter said I need a new saddle. So now I can't do truck shopping. I need to do saddle shopping. <laughs> Oh, the drama to have your personal saddle fitter. Um, Chelsea says, I am not riding and I can only obsess over my mini so much. So I've started spending like an exorbitant amount of money on bicycles and I don't even like riding bikes. <laughs> I know the feeling. And your mi that mini is so sick of her. That mini's like, oh, get away. Get away. <laughs> Carrie says, my horse is so cute that I want to take like a bunch of good photos of him, but he never stops moving and they're all blurry. <laughs> That's a uh, common problem. Yeah. Or you're trying to get a selfie and it's like all horse nostril. Yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah. Jill says, um, and this was a really sad problem and I feel you Jill because I've been that guy and like, whatever. Uh, she said, I won the high point Arabian award, but instead of a pretty neck ribbon, like everyone else got 
All I got was a stupid certificate. <laughs> Girl, I would shred that. I'd be like, um, this is hilarious. Where's my neck ribbon? All I want out of life is a freaking neck ribbon. Okay. Why is it so hard to I get a neck ribbon? I just paid $500 to show here this weekend. <laughs> Give me a GD neck ribbon for crying out loud. Um, Samantha said she was, she's like, <laughs> I was having a bomb ass lesson, really getting the stuff accomplished. And then my body had the audacity to try to have a heat stroke. <laughs> Stupid. Stupid Not good. Um, Meta says my COVID pony is so big and tall that I had all these tack items that I planned to get him, but he fits in all the tack I already have. (laughs) God, that sucks. (laughs) And by the way, that's never happened ever in the history of the world. So you should congratulate yourself. Her husband is so happy right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary says our county fair decided to scrap everything except the horse events and the 4-H. Yay! Good but for my you. horse is on stall rest. <laughs> so you can't you can't get a funnel cake, but you can go to the show, right? Yeah. You can uh, shovel horse poop in yeah. front of people, but you don't. Yeah. By God, eat no funnel cake for fried. you. <laughs> fried bread is oh, off God, the table. I could eat some funnel cake right now. <laughs> Jenny says, I got my horse trailer sold. Yay. But then I had to get a new damn tractor. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what's your favorite fair food? Funnel cake has to be right up there. That's such good stuff. Um, as a vegetarian of 35 years, I can definitely tell you I don't eat fair food. Not even funnel cake? Is that not allowed? First of all, funnel cake it's just not worth it. Like there's some foods that I'm like, I know this is super unhealthy, but it's worth it. Like chocolate it's worth cake the with calories chocolate icing. And, yeah. Mm, mm. No, I'm not mm. a sweet person. Ice yeah. cream. Mm. <sighs> Give me can you a tell vodka I'm soda off, with a lot of lime. Can you I'll tell them on my that. strict diet, which includes no sugar at all? So, Oh, uh, is that why you're so crystal clear this morning? Exactly. <laughs> um, Lilla said, I only had my new pony home an hour. And I had to get to work. I had to go to work and leave my pony I just got after an hour. <laughs> that sucks. Sucks. And then she also says, I just returned from picking up my pony. And then Sharon messages me an ad of a pony that's five years old, bigger, and already started ground driving for the same price. <laughs> Uh-oh. Craigslist remorse. Here it comes. <laughs> oh, you'll uh, get over that in a day or two. TJ says, I am too short to mount my horse bareback. So I took him into four feet of water and I thought the floaty factor would help, but it didn't. (laughs) That's something I never thought about. I can't get on my horse. Let's go skinny dipping to see if I can get on my horse. That's I I never would have occurred to me. It sounds fun though. Poor Matt. He said, I felt sick. So I went to take something. (laughs) Uh, I felt sick. So I went to take something for my stomach, but there was nothing in the medicine cabinet. So I had to go to the tap room in the middle of the night to get some medicine. <laughs> How many times have I taken SMZs? Yeah. It's a, uh, the dose is one <laughs> twice a day. Uh, Jessica we don't recommend says, that uh, for, for uh, liability reasons. Yes. Don't do that. That'd be terrible. Um, Jessica says, I don't have any space in my trunk. Be- <laughs> oh my God. I got to save hers. Okay, we'll do two more. Uh, Haley says, I have several trainers interested in moving into my vacant 20 stall facility, but she doesn't know which one to choose. Um, You have a vacant 20 stall facility, Haley? That sounds awesome. I'm on my way. Yeah. And And then finally, Jessica, 
Let's all just take a a moment of silence for poor Jessica. She's really going through some hard times right now. (laughs) She says, I don't have any space in the trunk of my new Tesla. Uh, her Tesla doesn't have a lot of trunk space for work stuff. Cause it's full of batteries. (laughs) I went to the feed store over the weekend and I bought a bunch of new feed for my horse, but I haven't been by the barn yet to drop it off. And so now I have to put all my work supplies in the backseat of my new Tesla looks messy. (laughs) Jessica, I know where she lives. Not too far from me. If you ever put a bale of hay in that Tesla, I'm coming down and kicking your ass myself. I know your husband will, but I will join him if you do that. New Tesla. Um, good, times. good times. Although, you know, the problem with her Tesla is she can't drive far enough to come kick my ass because she'd run out of juice before she got here. So Listen, I'm <laughs> jealous of her Tesla, so I'm jelly. <laughs> you would put hay problem. in it, though. You would have it trashed in a week. I really think that I'm well aware that if I put hay into my car, I will get divorced. He will leave. Like, that would <laughs> Especially be like a Tesla. <laughs> the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, I do also have um, a really quick segment. And Glenn, see if you can find this sounder for bad advice for horse people by horse people. Do you want me to do a quick bad advice for horse people by horse people and now it's time for bad advice for horse people by horse people this is when people go on to facebook and they ask for advice on something medical or training related for their horse and um this was uh This person said, I'm looking for some calming words. My 12-year-old has a sore back. And as I reflect a few weeks ago, he was tripping a lot. And he started nipping at me when I brushed his girth area. And just this week, he's become unruly when I ask him to work. And none of this behavior is normal. And then I started doing some online research. And it's kissing spine. Have you anybody else had uh, this problem? No, it's not. It's ulcers. It's always ulcers. And then uh, she (laughs) says, I've scheduled a massage for him on Saturday. Okay, here we go. I'm I'm not going to read all the statements. I'm just going to read ulcers, the Facebook, ulcers, 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 ulcers. the Facebook diagnosis is for this horse. Okay, we'll start here. Which nobody has seen, by the way. <laughs> no, no, and there's no video. There's no, no photo. It's no, just this no. person. Okay, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to pick out the word in each thing. Chiropractic. Your saddle is not fitting. You need a chiropractor. Your horse has ulcers. Your gullet is too wide. Your horse has ulcers. Your horse has ulcers. <laughs> um, you. <laughs> you should check for ulcers. Ulcers. This one person, Lyme, EPM, ulcers, dermatitis. Well, that covers it all. <laughs> X-rays, ulcers, chiropractor, ribs are out, saddle check, treat for ulcers, sounds like ulcers, blood work for Lyme's disease, saddle fitting, kissing spine. Sore muscle in his back. EPM. Chiropractor. Ulcers. Get a chiropractor. It's ulcers. Lyme's disease. Lyme's disease. Kissing spine. Ulcers. (laughs) Arthritis in his neck. (laughs) (laughs) At least that's different. (laughs) Acupuncture. Hawk arthritis. Hawk art? Water. You need water therapy. Your what? horse has EPM. Need the bath. Your horse has kissing spine. Um, you need uh, equine center with 
water therapy, ulcers, you did, need PEMF. Did, By the way, this person does PEMF, so they're happy to help do with it that. For yeah, him. yeah, yeah. Did one yeah. of them mention have the vet out to take a look before you Hold do on. anything else? We're getting <laughs> there. Because <laughs> it's amazing how many diagnoses <laughs> random people just gave this person. Your horse's SI joints are out. You need a chiropractor. Your horse has arthritis. Um, you need a massage after the massage, get out a chiropractor. Your horse has osteoarthritis in his lower back. Um, oral supplements you need, you need x-rays. Your horse's saddle doesn't fit. Um, I can just keep going. Um, and then finally, let's see, uh, finally somebody says, don't schedule a massage schedule a veterinarian finally <laughs> do you know who posted that you <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> and then they kept going your horse has sore fascia on its back your horse has ebm this page is awesome your horse has ulcers you need a chiropractor you need a chiropractor your horse has a rib out and again i don't know maybe just schedule a vet <laughs> Uh, why was there 150 comments before somebody said that? And why did that somebody have to be me? I don't know. I was really waiting for the vet. I was really waiting for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. Me too. <laughs> Maybe that's the first place we start. And we go to the chiropractor and then the massage therapist after. You know, my horse is lame. Call the farrier. Well, I don't know. Maybe call the vet. <laughs> Good one. Very good one. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Hang on, auditors. We will be back to discuss something else immediately after. A couple things we want to talk about with the auditors after the closing and music is over. Tomorrow, we have the Certified Horsemanship Association. Christy will be here. And then later in the week, I believe we have the sales episode with Kayla. They're recording that tonight. You're recording another retired racehorse tonight. Don't forget. Yes, I know. Uh, um, so you're going to be doing that. So there'll be a new episode of that coming out as well. So a lot going on here at the Horse Radio Network. And we might have another new show or two adding to the lineup. At, uh, and I'll be able to tease that more later in the week. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, Neuter Geld. Bye. Call the vet. Did really nobody say call the vet? <laughs> There's nobody. Nobody. <laughs> nobody. Uh, I think maybe one part. Well, when the, in the x-rays, <clears throat> obviously a vet. Give me one second to use the ladies' room. I'll be back. Okay. I hope you all enjoyed Scott. Uh, I, th I just love talking to him. I could talk to him. We could have talked to him for another hour about a whole bunch of different things. He does so much different stuff. But uh, Scott is a lot of fun. I wanted to also, men also mention to you, and I'm going to put a link in our auditor room today. Uh, for the first time in 10 years, 2,500 episodes, Jamie and I were interviewed. Now, I've done a lot of interviews for podcasts about podcasting and other podcasts, but Jamie and I have never done one together where we were being interviewed. And uh, <clears throat> we got to do that with Dave Jackson, who's a Hall of Fame podcaster, has a show called School of Podcasting. And I'm going to post a link uh, to that in 
and the Auditor Room. So go check it out. Uh, if you want to hear Jamie and I getting interviewed and talking a little about a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff at Horses in the Morning, you can find it there. And as I said, I'll post that link in the Auditor Room. I hope you take a listen. It was a lot of fun to do. Uh, uh, Jamie sounded really smart. I was I was impressed. Uh, she talked a little bit also about her radio years and, and how she got started with Horse Radio Network and on the Horses in the Morning show and kind of, you know, the, the things that we think about and we do to put this show together for the last 10 years uh, and how unusual it is. We think we're only one of about five shows that have lasted, uh, daily shows that have lasted this long in the world. So I will post that link in the auditor room. I was just telling about the School of Podcasting interview. So Okay, I'm back. Yep. Uh, so I was just telling about the School of Podcasting interview. Oh, cool. <laughs> so they can go take a listen to that. I'll post the link in the auditor room. You can tell me how I did. I'm not going to listen. Yeah, no, you did great. It was good. We are actually good together. Amazing. <laughs> it's like we've done it before. So <laughs> so you you posted something, and I, I didn't have a chance. I tried to avoid social media a little bit this weekend. Uh, we went riding our bikes, played with the horses, and enjoyed the thousand degrees. So, I just, it's another one of those I need advice from our listeners. Yeah, you and posted I, in the auditor room something about somebody my age. <laughs> so that's what caught my attention. Or maybe no, a little bit older than me. Older. Even. Yeah. Older. So I, I've got, got a horse in training here for a horse and hound. No names. It, no names. Yeah. And, um, the person that is interested in adopting the horse came out and tried him out over the weekend. The person interested is a volunteer and has been volunteering at horse and hound for three years. So she's, she's, so she's familiar with thoroughbreds. She's uh, comfortable around. She knows what she knows thoroughbreds and she knows horses and she's an, she, I said, describe yourself. And she said, she's an amateur rider, an older amateur rider. So she came out, which could mean anything from beginner to, <laughs> to experienced. Well, she, she's looking at a horse that's three years old and he's super quiet. I mean, he's, 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 a, but he's still a three-year-old thoroughbred. And you can't guarantee anything on a three-year-old thoroughbred. And she came out and she's 70 years old. Okay. 70 years old. And she wants to adopt a three-year-old thoroughbred. And she wants to also keep the horse here for a month and training and get some lessons on him as well. That sounds great. But y'all... At 70, a three-year-old thoroughbred, uh, just to me, it seems like a really terrible idea. So he he spooked once Mm -hmm. because Chad opened a box and a little piece of paper blew out and she stuck the spook. But when she went to get on him, I had to push her up and her leg over and the horse's back. And this is, again, a three-year-old thoroughbred has only been here like a week. I mean, he doesn't even know how to stand still at the mounting block yet. So then he moved and she was wobbly and I had to like kind of grab her and put her over. And I'm just... Um, that didn't deter? No, no. <clears throat> so I was out there with her for quite some time. And I finally was like, I, I have other stuff I have to do. She was just walking him and trotting him and stuff, but he's super lazy. He's the one uh, that I have to use a giddy up rope on today. Um, because he's just not anyway, she's obviously ridden a lot, but like I, she was wobbly in the barn and on the horse. 
And I just feel like it's not it a very good her match. Dream to get a thoroughbred? Is it just like a, a I asked she's her, wanted for her whole life or what? I asked her a hundred times, why do you want to get a three-year-old racehorse? And the only answer she could give me was that she loves thoroughbreds. And I was like, okay, well, and then somehow we would not, I would not get to the next part of that, which is a statement of like, I still think that even though you love thoroughbreds, maybe we could find something a little older older and more appropriate (laughs) than a three-year-old quickly off the track. And then it's the other thing of like, okay, I just had somebody fall off and break, I don't know, everything. Cause they were here and they got on a inappropriate yeah, horse without weak. me yeah. being there mm-hmm. without, I wasn't even there and I found her on the ground. It was here. And I just, I can't do that again. I mean, we, Chad and I, we had a discussion after that last one, like nobody gets to ride, try out these horses anymore. But from what I understood, she is the one that has had the horse in training this whole time from horse and hound. She's paying for it. So it's kind of her horse. So I made her sign about a hundred releases, you know, of different things. And I let her get on the horse and she wants to come back for lessons. And I'm just not, I'm just not comfortable. I'm just not comfortable teaching her. But again, I don't want her to get this horse and go somewhere else where she's not going to get good help. At least here, I know she's going to get good help, but still it's an inappropriate horse. And I think I need to come at it from that angle. I'm just, yes. I have repeatedly messaged her and talked to the woman who runs the rescue. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I, I, I have somebody else for the horse. I just need her to kind of decide that that's not what she wants to do. I'm like, but still, I, you know, again, I, she's I, friends I, with her. She volunteers all the time. I she don't, wants to make her happy. You've had what, hundreds of comments from the, I mean, there were hundreds of comments on this thing. I didn't read them, but uh, uh, were, what were the comments from the auditors? I'm curious. You know, on oh, average, my, what my would you say? Is, I don't want to be ageism, but pretty much everybody yeah. was like, yeah, that's a terrible idea. You know what? Um, I don't I, even know that this has to do with age, to be honest. If this person was 40 and that shaky, you would, you would have the same concern. So, you know, the fact yeah. that they're older is more of a concern, but it's the same concern. If they were a teenager, you know, and had that riding skill for this horse, you would have the same concern. Yeah. I right? Just, I mean, would you? Yeah, I would. I'm, I guess, and I kind of need to go at it from that angle too. This is just not a match. And then at the very end, so I said, what are your goals with this horse? What do you want to do? Walk, trot, canter, and jump. Little cross rails. And I was like, oh God, okay. It's not a good fit. But okay, I, I, it's not my place. At, it, it's not my place. Well, I then mean, I can decide whether I can help her or not. Your but it's conscience not my, is going to bother you. So it's yeah. not your ultimate decision anyway. But you can say, look, I don't recommend this horse for you, and I'm just not even comfortable giving you lessons on him. And then you're out of the picture. If she adopts the horse, then it's on her and the adoption lady, and you've done everything you can do. But you also also haven't enabled it, right? So you're going to feel guilty if you enable it. She gets dumped, stepped on, and dead. Uh, You're going to – I know you. (laughs) So you're going to feel guilty about that. What did your gut instinct tell you about the last one who broke everything? It you knew that was wrong, you knew that was a problem, and you're you just didn't act on it. Here's one that you can act on. It's not she could end up she, more than likely she's going to be like a teenage girl and end up taking the horse anyway. Uh, but it's not on you then. And you know, yeah, I, yeah. Your argument about the, her taking it away, I my argument is you could do five lessons and that ain't enough. 
So, you know, she's still going to take the horse home and ride it without you there after five lessons when she really needs 10 years worth to get to this point. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, my, that's my opinion. My opinion I, would after be... After the last one, I was like, from now on, I am going to trust my instincts. Well, you need to trust and your here I am this. not you're, trusting well, my instincts. Because so. you're rationalizing too far. You're putting your rationalization too far into the future. Plus, you know, it's hard to tell tell uh, somebody, <laughs> especially when they're like your mom's age, that they can't have what they want, right? Um, yeah. And she's always dreamed that this is her dream, but it doesn't have to be that you endorse the dream. Well, th- thank you for that. Uh, the, the thing at the very end was really what bothered me. She's like, well, he's probably going to end up being a pasture pet anyway. And well, I was like, well, then we have unsound horses for pasture. Yeah, well, pets. that's the other thing. Don't I mean, that, there's sound, lots of horses. Yeah, there's a, a lot of unsound horses that really need homes that are just as and, cute. And again, yeah. you know, God forbid something happens to her in 10 years, then you've got a basically wild, feral 13-year-old out in your pasture. You know, that's worthless. I think you know what, no what your answer is. You just have to have the guts to do it. I just need to call her. So, so okay. Uh, and you can say, say now you have the opportunity to call her and say, I've, after thinking about it for, for, for this period of time, these are my thoughts. And then just be honest. And it has nothing to do with age. And I wouldn't make it about age either. I would just say, hey, look, you know, these are my thoughts. I, I, anytime I have a rider that I don't think is the same, you know, that can handle the level of the horse, uh, I think that's a problem. And I, I, in my opinion, that's the case here. And, and a few lessons aren't going to fix that. And they are not going to fix that. You know, a few lessons are not going to fix that. So, you know, I, I think you'd be better off with a more educated horse. It could be a thoroughbred. I understand that we love thoroughbreds. Uh, but maybe an older thoroughbred that has a little more training, that's a little quieter, that's been around a little, that's been around the block a little bit more. Um, and then it's, then it's a horse that you can be around without being afraid too, because eventually something's going to happen and you're going to have that fear. It's just natural. And uh, all the auditors you can play this go back on by, by Facebook. Account. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all the auditors went on Facebook and they're like, oh yeah, I totally broke my neck. I did broke yeah. my back. I had somebody ever that's laid in my barn is now in uh, ICU. Like, People give me lots of stories to just continue I just to scare think the bitches. If you go out the myself. other route, you go against you're going against your gut again and it's gonna bite you. Okay. This way I just need to call your conscience again, is I've out of it. Trying. And if she might still get the horse, but it's not your conscience at that point. And that's the thing is I've been trying to get the rescue to just like pull the plug on it, you know, and she's and, also and not willing can't. to do it because the lady's but, been volunteering for three years. So yeah, she's kind of in a bind too. She's stuck too. Yeah. So maybe it is just me that needs to just be like, I'll just be the adult here I think <laughs> around these women. At that some are point. Well, me. you know what they say is the older you get, the more you become like a, a kid again. And I think she's kind of got this, you know, googly eyed kid thing, you know, like a teenage girl going, I'm in love with it, even though it's going to kill me tomorrow. Um, So so I know. And she's worked around it. And that's the other thing. You know, she's been around these horses. I think you have to be the adult. I really do. And that's not easy being the adult (laughs) because you're going to be the bad guy and she may hate you for it. But at least it's not in your conscience. Rather that. You're cheaper, again, it's cheaper than saying what your gut tells you is cheaper than the hospital bill. God bless. 
Okay, fine. I'm gonna nut up. That's my. I, it's just my horse husband opinion, but I've been around a little no, while. I know. I, <laughs> and I kind of even before we had this discussion, I was like, I just need to. I need to be the adult. But you gave me some good things to say, which is just I just don't feel like this is the right horse for you. And I would be more than happy to help you find a horse that might be a little more suitable. You know, and and wait a minute. Let me call Dave Jackson over School of Podcasting and say, for the first time in twenty five hundred episodes, she listened to me. I'm so excited. Are you gonna are you gonna write that down? <laughs> you know, gonna keep that, <laughs> save that one. Thank you, everybody. Have a good day. Be I safe. haven't listened to you yet. Dave's not over. <laughs> it's true. You haven't done it yet. <laughs> we'll get a report right, on bye. Wednesday. <laughs>